0: Welcome to the 55th episode of the Head Kick KO podcast. This week, we are doing a breakdown of UFC Fight Night Johnny Walker versus Jamal Hill. After that, we are going to be doing a breakdown of next week's fight card, and we're going to be previewing that. And obviously, we're going to start right off at last night's main event, which was Johnny Walker versus Jamal Hill. Now, a lot of people are very high on Jamal Hill. And I am one of those guys. Just looking at the performance that he put on against a guy like Johnny Walker, that is impressive. And I think the number one thing that I liked the most in this fight was his patience. There were some times in that first round where Jamal Hill wasn't really finding great openings. He didn't land a lot of strikes prior to his knockout and he really stayed patient and made some adjustments and then once he found that opportunity he took it and landed that vicious KO and that is the key to being patient if you want to be patient as a fighter and really look for openings and not force things you have to be able to take that opportunity when it's given or else you're being patient for absolutely no reason Johnny or excuse me Jamal Hill did just that Jamal Hill found that opportunity, takes that opportunity, and lands a vicious KO of Johnny Walker. And it's been talked about a lot. It was talked about in the post fight um, an- an- analysis. Uh, Jamal Hill made a great strategic switch here where he switches to the orthodox to get a little bit of a different look because that that rear kick from jenny walker was really present presenting him some challenges so he switches stances and is able to find a great opening there so not only does he have the power but he has the awareness and, and knows when to change things up and in terms of just being a contender in, in this point in his career Johnny, or excuse me, Jamal Hill has done everything that he has needed to do. I have been incredibly impressed by his last two performances. Uh, he lost to Paul Craig, obviously, and, and that set him back a little bit. But losing to Paul Craig in the 205-pound division, there's a lot worse things that could happen to you. It was a very bad matchup stylistically, and there really aren't very many grapplers that are better than Paul Craig that Jamal Hill is going to have to run into. And even in that fight, he showed some things that you really like. But in these fights that he's winning, when you look at his fights against Ovin St. Prue, Jimmy Crew, this fight against Johnny Walker, he has won all of those fights in very impressive fashion. Uh, the last two being massive KO victories. Uh, the victory over Ovin St. Prue was very solid as well. Uh, wasn't wasn't you know o- OSP wasn't put out cold like Jimmy Crute or johnny walker but man jamal hill has put on some tremendous performances and i think he has an incredibly bright future at this light heavyweight division and in all honesty he is probably going to be inside the top 10 when the rankings come out on tuesday and then from there when you're looking at where where's jamal hill going to go from here there are a lot of interesting names. You can throw him in there with, with someone like Vulcan Ozdemir, and it's going to be a really fun stylistic fight, and you're not moving him too highly in the rankings. Uh, that's probably not the route that I would personally go. And then from there, you've got Dominic Reyes, who you know, is one of the guys who's been at 205 for a very long time and he will go out there and give Jamal Hill a tough fight. Even if you look at that Dominic Reyes versus Yuri Prohashka fight, you know, Dominic Reyes landed a nice up kick, made Yuri fight through some adversity and, and made him go out there and put on a great performance. So even if Dominic Reyes uh, isn't going to go out there and win every single fight, he goes out there and he always gives guys, he gives guys a tough fight. Which I think would be an interesting dynamic for Jamal Hill to see next. I don't imagine a Magomed Mag- Mad- Megamed fight making much sense. I believe he is booked, but I might be wrong on that. Um, but Magomed Ankulov is in a similar position to Jamal Hill, where you know he's someone a lot of a lot of people view as a future title contender. So right now that fight doesn't make too much sense. Um, yeah, he's booked against Thiago Santos. And so that takes Tiago Santos out of the mix for Jamal Hill as well. And then we're getting up to Anthony Smith, who I believe um, would make a lot of sense as well. Anthony Smith, however, has shown or has went out there and put on some great performances. So I think Anthony Smith is probably going to get rewarded for some of his uh, impressive work. And he's probably going to be fighting someone like Rockage. Um, maybe. Even they give him Jan Blachowicz. there's There's some moving pieces at the top of the 205-pound division right now, so I'm not going to go too in-depth on that. But um, from what we've kind of discussed here, I still think Dominic Reyes is the best option out of all the options that we laid out. You're not jumping too far in those rankings, right? You're only jumping uh, to that 7 spot. You're not going to be jumping all the way into that top 5 quite yet. So I think it is a reasonable jump, and it is someone who, if you beat Dominic Reyes, you're in a good spot in this division. So I think that would be a really, really interesting move and a really interesting fight. Um, So that's the direction that I would go if I were the UFC looking to matchmake Jamal Hill in the near future. Now, uh, the question is, what are we going to do with Johnny Walker? That is the other side of this coin. Because as Jamal Hill went out there and and beat Johnny Walker, and Johnny Walker was the bigger name heading into this fight, I don't know if he still is now, but uh, Johnny Walker is someone who has shown incredible talent, incredible knockout power, very unorthodox striking. The problem is, he is one and four in his last five, which is obviously not great, and when you look at who he has lost to, right, he's lost to Jamal Hill, Thiago Santos, uh, Nikita Krylov, Corey Anderson. Those aren't bad losses, right? He's not going out there and losing to absolute bums. He's losing to some very strong competitors, and in that span, he has a win over Ryan Spann. So, and Ryan Spann is a, a very good fighter. So I'm going to be really interested to see what direction... They go with Johnny Walker because in this fight, prior to the knockout, Johnny Walker was causing some problems. Um, he was he was doing a great job timing that kick and pulling Jamal Hill into that uh, rear body kick he was throwing. He was trying to mix it to the head a little bit. Um, so, you know, he wasn't looking terrible. With that being said, once you make an error and get knocked out, that, that kind of washes away the the progress that you showed early in the fight. So for Johnny Walker, a lot of people are saying, or I shouldn't say a lot of people, but there are some rumblings and there's some rumors and there's some discussions happening that Johnny Walker should get cut. I'm not going to take it that far with Johnny Walker. If you're looking at this 205 pound division in the UFC, it's really one of the weaker divisions, especially on the male side. Uh, you really only have 125 pounds to compete with on the male side. Uh, on the female side, 135 and 145 are kind of weak. But um, this 205 pound division needs any names that you can put in it. So for Johnny Walker, even if he's not a top 10 guy like we thought he was going to be, uh, in, in the, in the, uh, younger portion of his career, if he can still be someone in that 10 to 15 range or slightly outside of those rankings, that is something that makes this, uh, 205 pound division better because they need some guys in that range who you can test a young guy against when they're starting to come up. You need that kind of name in this division. It, It helps the division be a stronger division. So, uh, I don't think it's time for Johnny Walker to get cut, but he's probably going to have to fight someone at the back end of these 205-pound rankings, and he might even get someone who is currently unranked. Ian Kutelaba at 15 makes sense to me. Jimmy crew at 14 makes some sense, but uh, I think Jimmy Crute versus Johnny Walker might be you know, a little bit much for both of those guys. So, it's, you know, Jimmy Crute, like we said earlier, coming off that loss to Jamal Hill. Now, Johnny Walker coming off a loss to Jamal Hill. It would make a level of sense, but I think each guy needs uh, needs another opponent because being both top prospects with losses, you know, we got to get back in the win category. So, so, don't pit them head to head, you know. Um, so, if I were to matchmake this, I would go Johnny Walker versus Ian Kutelaba and then if you're looking for a name outside of the rankings I think Devin Clark makes a lot of sense where Devin Clark is someone who isn't currently ranked has experience fighting ranked guys um, but but he is not uh, someone who you're looking at going oh Devin Clark is going to be a future title contender so I think that would be a reasonable um, step back in competition for Johnny Walker and then that's all we're going to talk about for the main event. Um, so we're going to move on to the co-main. And I don't really have a lot on the co-main. Kyle Dowskis versus Jamie Pickett. Kyle Dowskis went out there and got a submission victory. Landed a really nice dark choke. Kyle Dowskis is someone who has very underrated grappling. You know, Kyle Dowskis, when you're looking at guys who can go out there and get a submission finish... Kyle Dowskis has a lot of them. However, he's not really looked at as an elite grappler like a lot of other guys. So um, I think it's time we give Dowskis a little bit more credit um, and and um, be aware that he can go out there and really put on some good performances. I'm interested to see what's next for Kyle Dowskis. Um, on one hand, he... Uh, was in the rankings and has some very strong wins. But Jamie Pickett isn't someone that uh, would typically result in getting you a ranked opponent. So I don't think Kalduskas is going to be fighting in the rankings again after this fight. I think he's probably got one more. So I think he's going to take, some, take on someone just outside of those rankings. And for Jamie Pickett, you know, this doesn't set him back too much. He's probably going to be taking on, this sounds generic, but someone in a similar range as to him because Jamie Pickett isn't exactly, you know, knocking on the door of the UFC rankings. He's, he's still a little bit behind. He's still got two or three fights to go before he would be, um, potentially ranked, maybe even more than that. So probably someone in a similar range where he's not going to be fighting someone fresh off the contender series, but, um, Someone who's got a couple fights in the UFC but isn't an immediate threat to being ranked. And then we're going to skip around a little bit. And we're going to skip to Jim Miller versus Nicholas Mata. And Jim Miller went out there and shocked people once again. Jim Miller is now the UFC leader in career wins. So congratulations to that. Jim Miller has earned it. He's put in a lot of hard work over the year over the years, and he is still uh, improving. It, young, young Jim Miller did not have this type of knockout power, and, and the leg kicks that Jim Miller was throwing in this fight were also very, very impressive and very effective. So um, I'm, interest, I'm interested to see what's next for Jim Miller. You know, he, he hasn't said anything about retirement, which I guess is a good thing. I saw someone say that, you know, they should run Jim Miller versus Donald Cerrone and potentially look at, you know, the winner would have the most wins in in the UFC. So I think that would be interesting just from a story standpoint. Um, From there, Jim Miller, you know, isn't going to get pushed to the rankings anytime soon. So he is probably going to keep fighting guys who are coming off the Contender Series or have a couple UFC fights. You know, and then on the opposite side of that, he could fight guys that are way older that they could market as throwback fights like a Cerrone. Um, So, so those are really the two directions that they can go with Jim Miller. Either way, it doesn't make that much of a difference. Uh, He's pretty much just fighting to fight at this point. And um, as long as he's doing that, I will be watching because Jim Miller is an exciting fighter to watch, especially at this point in his career. Now we're starting to get to a little bit more of the prospects that we had on this card. Joaquin Buckley went out there and got a split decision victory over Abdul Razak El-Hassan. And, you know, this is probably the right decision. We had a split decision, and there's a little bit of um, varied opinions over who won this fight because El-Hassan very clearly won round three. And Joaquin Buckley, very clearly, won round two. That leaves you round two. Whichever way you score round two, I'm not going to be too concerned about it. So, giving Buckley the win here, not too upset about. And I find it really interesting what we've seen from Joaquin Buckley. Because Joaquin Buckley is someone who has one of the best knockouts in UFC history and has incredible knockout power. But he started to mix in some wrestling, and um, he has really tried to improve his overall mixed martial arts skills. And that is a very good path for someone like Joaquin Buckley. When you've got the knockout power, start building around that knockout power. Um, but I wish we, we could see more progression out of Joaquin Buckley And I don't like being super critical about fighters, especially when they win. But I thought there were some moments in that fight where we could have saw a little bit more. There were some moments where he's hitting El Hassan when El Hassan is just standing with his back to the cage and high guard up. You know, we really didn't see much body work. He did throw some shots to the body in those situations. But when someone is standing up against the fence with high guard, The most effective thing you can do is not necessarily just punch right in the guard or try and split the guard. If he can split the guard, that's great, but he just wasn't able to. And so I think if we see him work some more to the body, if we see him work some more to the legs, try and mix and vary the striking a little bit more when you're up against that cage, I think that would have done him wonders, and I think he would have been able to find a finish. So... On one side, I'm impressed that he went out there and showed some improvements in his overall game in the grappling and things like that. But like I said, on the other side, I wish he could have gone out there and really, you know, thrown a couple nice shots and really put Al Hassan away because I think he has the potential to do that. And I think he has the potential to be a really good finisher and a really good fighter in the UFC And unfortunately, every time I watch Joaquin Buckley, I just feel like he isn't living up to the hype that he has been given, which is unfortunate because he deserves every bit of the hype that he has. And when people talk about his potential and where he can go as a fighter, he has all the starting abilities. We just need to see him, you know, really push forward with some some strong performances. And he has done that in the past. You know, his his knockout over Impa uh, is one of the best knockouts in UFC history, like I said. And his knockout over Jordan Wright was very impressive. So he has done it in the past. I just think we need to see it a little bit more frequently, you know. And when you look at Al-Hassan, it's not that Al-Hassan is some massive step-up in competition and he just couldn't get it done at the new level. Al-Hassan is someone who I think is very talented, but I'm not sure that he is, you know, miles ahead uh, of some of the guys that Joaquin Buckley has already beat. And then when you are looking at what is next for Joaquin Buckley, you're really in an interesting position because he's 14-4 and with one, two losses in the UFC. And the two losses being to Kevin Holland, young in his career, as UFC debut. And then he got kicked in the head by Alessio Ducirio. It, it happened. So um, what is next for Joaquin Buckley? That is a really interesting question. You know, he's obviously not going to be fighting a ranked opponent. So we got to look outside of that. And at the same time, you know, he's not going to get thrown in there with someone who is you know just tipping those that point to where he can get ranked. So matchmaking uh, Joaquin Buckley can can be very difficult because you have to find someone who's good but not absolutely tremendous. And um just looking at names um He's fighting at one hundred and eighty-five pounds. There is really not a lot. He could maybe you maybe you see him against Nick Maximov if he really wants to prove that he's a, a really good striker. Phil Hawes, Julian Marquez. I think those are all interesting options. Uh, Roman Dolice. You know, those are probably Puna Soriano. Those are probably the level of guys that you're looking at for Joaquin Buckley. And um, that's probably maybe a Gerald Merchart. Those are probably some of the directions. Maybe not Gerald Merchart. That might be a little, um, maybe not Gerald Merchart. But Marquez, Phil Hawes, someone like that in that range of fighters, what I think we should see next from Joaquin Buckley. Now, um, just gonna talk briefly about David Onama next. He went out there and really put on a strong performance. His first fight in the UFC was short notice against Mason Jones. That is not the best way to enter a UFC octagon. Mason Jones is a tough opponent. Short notice, that's a lot. That's a, just a lot. Coming into this fight, he you know had more time to prepare. And he went out there and I was impressed with what he did. He got caught early and, you know, he got hit in the eye, you know, kind of, you know, you can get hit in the eye and it can feel like an eye poke, especially if that knuckle hits you in the eye. And those can be tough to recover from. And that happened to him. He got hit right in the eye and he fought through that. You know, there were moments where I I thought that was going to get stopped and, he was able to fight through that. So I'm impressed with that. Anytime someone shows that level of toughness, I'm impressed. Because a lot of people lay down and go, oh, my eye got hurt. And, and they lose, and then they try and put an asterisk next to it uh, because they, they got hurt. David Onama did not do that. He went out there, fought through that difficulty that he faced, and then he went out there and found himself a knockout shortly after. And the, the knockout was incredible. Once he landed a couple big shots, he just poured it on, you know, he landed a clean shot and, you know, just once he landed that, he, you could tell that he wanted to end that fight and he did so with accuracy and with precision. And it was a great way to put Gabriel Benitez out. So shout out to him for that. Shout out to Stephanie Egger as well, you know. Jessica Rose Clark is a fan favorite and someone a lot of fans think very highly of. Stephanie Edgar went out there and had some beautiful groundwork, beautiful groundwork, and was able to find a submission victory. Got a really nice armbar. I was impressed by that. Chaz Skelly went out there as well. Had a impressive, had an impressive performance against Mark Striegel. So Chaz Skelly is retiring, it sounds like. So shout-out to him for retiring when he wanted to retire and going out with a very, very strong performance against Mark Striegel. He wears him down the whole first round, and then that second round, he puts him away with some big strikes um, in, in and in a really nice knee. So shout-out to Chad Skelly. And then the last fight we are going to talk about from UFC Fight Night, Jamal Hill and Johnny Walker is going to be Chad and Hellinger and... He, threw, he landed a really nice counter uh, hook and put Jesse Strader out. And he was down two rounds to nil when that happened. So that was to win him that fight. If that went to the judge's decision, he was going to lose. So shout out to Chad Ellinger for that. Now we are going to skip directly to next week's fight card because we don't have any news to talk about. And we, well, before we do that, we will summarize what happened and how we got to this week's main event. If you didn't know, this week, week, week's main event, oh, this week's main event was Islam Makalchev versus Hafeel um, Fazi, or excuse me, It was supposed to be Islam Makalchev versus Benil Daryush. And that fight fell through. Daryush had a freak injury in practice. It sounded like he was doing some wrestling. His foot got caught in between mats and uh, his t- fibula broke. So uh, this was going to be a big opportunity for Benil Daryush to go out there and take on Islam Makhachev. If he wins, he's right in title contention. So it's unfortunate for Benil Daryush that he faced that injury. And then it became time for the UFC to look for a replacement. Looking for a replacement on 10 days notice is never, ever ever easy Um, especially when you're looking for islam maklachev not many people want to fight islam maklachev and not many people will do it on short notice which is ironic because both of islam maklachev's last two fights have been against opponents who are taking the fight on short notice but the ufc needed a guy to fight in fight for the main event they call bobby green And Bobby Green says yes, but do they have to make it a catch weight at 160 pounds, which is no big deal. They're just throwing throwing each guy an extra five pounds, especially for Bobby Green, who fought two Saturdays ago on UFC 271, and he is fighting again this Saturday. So this is going to be his second fight in a three-week span, and this fight is going to be a five-round main event, you know. For Bobby Green to step in and do this is tremendous. Not many people would be willing to do this. So for Bobby Green to do this, all the respect in the world to him. And, you know, he's going to get rewarded. He's getting rewarded with an opportunity against Islam Makhachev. You know, unfortunately, a lot of people don't think he's going to win this. He's already a big, big betting underdog. So Bobby Green is going to have a steep hill in front of him. But because he's taking this opportunity on short notice, he gets to go from fighting an unranked opponent to fighting a guy ranked in the top five. And if he gets a win, he's going to be shortlisted for a title shot. So that is the reward. Um, I'm sure he's getting, you know, a nice chunk of change from the UFC in comparison to his usual contracts. So um, that's obviously nice as well. But in terms of pure, you know, where he's placed in the rankings, this is a very, very strong opportunity for, is- for Bobby Green. And shout out to Islam Makulchev as well, because this fight doesn't really add too much to his case to get a title shot. Unfortunately, when you are a guy ranked in the top five and you have to go out there and compete with someone who is unranked, you know, unfortunately, that doesn't give you the best chances in making a statement worthy of getting a title shot. Even if he goes out and finishes with Bobby Green in one round, people are going to say, well, that's what you were supposed to do. And unfortunately, you know, Islam Akhachev is going to be not, uh, he's hes not going to be rewarded for the hard work and he puts in in this fight, which is unfortunate, but um, that's just the way that it's going to happen. And for a, for a breakdown of what we see here, Islam Mikhailchev is obviously the big favorite. He is viewed highly upon um, by many, many fans and many experts in the UFC circle. Islam Mikhailchev, if you don't know, is a longtime friend of Habib Nurmagomedov. He's from Dagestan, has trained with Habib for his whole life. And he is someone who also has tremendous grappling. And in his grappling, he's great. He's got your great, you know, um, Dagestani style of wrestling where he goes out there and gets a takedown and then dominates you. But the interesting thing about Islam's style of grappling is that he will look to submit you more so than Habib did. You know, Habib really liked his ground and pound and then choking his opponent when they pretty much give up, which is a great strategy if you can do it. Islam Michaelchev not as big on the ground as Pound, but very good at finding submissions. Found a nice Kimura against Dan Hooker. Found a really nice arm triangle against Drew Dober. Also submitted, um, Tiago Moises. I don't remember what that type of submission was off the top of my head. Rear naked choke. So, um... Islam Makhlouchev coming off three big submission wins against respected opponents, and from an X's and no standpoint, I think Bobby Green is going to actually have an interesting skill set and could possibly cause him some problems. Bobby Green is a tremendous boxer, first of all, and if you're going to be Islam, you're going to be you're going to need to be able to outstrike him, and you are going to be able to need you are going to need To defend takedowns. And the way Bobby fights. He fights in a manner where he keeps his hands so low. And he fires from the hip pretty much. And he is very, very fast with his hands. So I think he's going to be able to hit Islam. Anytime they're standing. As long as he keeps that pressure going. right, And and really makes Islam and really puts Islam on that back foot. There's a chance Bobby Green comes out very cautious with the threat of a takedown and doesn't throw that much. So that's always there. But if Bobby Green goes out there and throws, I think he's going to be able to land efficiently. And because he keeps his hands so low, that is really going to help him defend takedowns, especially if Islam is shooting a traditional style double leg or single leg takedown. Now, if Islam can push Bobby Green up against the fence and work for takedowns off the fence, that's going to be a that's going to cause big big problems for Bobby Green. Um, but if Islam attempts his at takedowns in in the open, shooting for the legs, I think Bobby Green might be able to defend a couple and potentially throw in some counters, and, and we might see something interesting that we weren't expecting. But if you were to force me to make a pick here. I still have to go with Islam Makhachev by submission. The last 3 fights I have watched from from him, I've been impressed, and I think he's going to continue to impress against Bobby Green. And if he gets Bobby Green to the ground once, I think he can end this fight by, via submission. And so even if Bobby is having success defending takedowns, say he defends 4 takedowns in the first round and wins the first round, Islam Makhlachev could come out and get one takedown and and find a submission early in the second. And I just don't think that Bobby Green is going to be able to go five rounds defending takedowns and fighting off submissions. I just think eventually one of those submission attempts are going to hit. As much as I love Bobby Green as a fighter and as much as it would be a tremendous story and storyline if he were to come in here and knock Islam out, which he can do, I just don't necessarily... Um, see that happening, I hope it does, because it'd be tremendous, but uh, Islam Makachev is a tough guy to beat, and um, I, I've got to pick him for my uh, official prediction, if, uh, if you will, and then in the co-main, we have Misha Kirkenov versus Wellington Terman, now um, a lot of fans might not know who these guys are, Especially if you're a new newer UFC fan, you might not know Misha Kirkinov because um, he was a bigger a couple of years ago and had some injury problems and has jumped weight classes uh, recently. And you know y- you might um, you might not know him when you first hear him. Wellington Turman, however, is relatively unknown amongst UFC fans. His last win is over Sam Elvi so. That kind of goes to show how important it was for Bobby Green to step in because they didn't have much of a card um, behind uh, the— well, they didn't—excuse me. I shouldn't say there wasn't much of a card because there's a lot of fun fights. Um, Much better way to describe this would be they didn't have another fight that was main event worthy. So shout out to Bobby Green once again. But to to look at this co-main event— I'm riding with Misha Kirkenov. This is his second fight at 185 pounds, I believe. Yep, second fight. So in his first fight, he was taking on uh, Christoph Jukko. So he didn't really have the easiest entry into this division. I think this is going to be the second time he's cutting down to 185 pounds. So I think that experience of making that cut and, you know, you're doing it against a lesser opponent when you when you step in the octagon. I think that's going to um, reward him, and I think he's going to be able to find a victory here. And if you made me pick how, I would say decision. All right, moving to the next fight. We've got Priscilla Casuera versus Ji-yeon Kim. If you don't know who Priscilla Casuera is... Um, most people are going to be rooting against her because in her last fight, she pulled a very dirty eye gouge, which seemed to be on purpose. So I can't imagine many people are going to be rooting for her. And G Kim, um, G. Yeon Kim is making her, let's see how many fights she's had in the UFC. This is her, she's had many UFC fights. Um. Wow, I did not know she had this many fights in the UFC. My apologies, but um. Her most recent fights have come against Molly McCann and Alexa Grasso, so I am going to lean for Ji Yong Kim in this fight. I think when you step in there and fight someone like Molly McCann and Alexa Grasso, and she's got a, she's got bouts against Antonia Shevchenko. You know, when you go out there and fight fighters of that caliber, I think when you go in there again against someone like Priscilla Cachoeira, I think you have an advantage. Just because you have faced some of the top, I don't want to say top, but you've faced people in that top 15. So when you move outside, you're getting a little bit more um, experience. You've got the experience, and you're going against someone who you're a lot more evenly matched with. So I think she's going to be able to, to find a win in this one. And then maybe the most interesting fight on the card. You have Armin Tsuzukian versus Joel Alvarez. And these are two of the top prospects at 155 pounds. And just looking at the records. Armin is 17 and 2. Joel Alvarez is 19 and 2. This is a type of fight where they booked this fight. And then I, in my head I was like wow, I'm I'm really surprised that they booked this. Uh, this looks like the type of fight that you would wait three years and book because they're both going to be in the top five. And they have both impressed as of late. Joel Alvarez is coming off a very strong victory against Tiago Moises. And, you know, he's his only UFC loss is to Demir Izmogolov. So, you know, he has really only lost to good competitors. And then Armin Tezukian has only lost to Islam Makhlachev in the UFC. And we just talked about how, how good Islam was. So in this fight, I am very excited to see who comes out on top because they're going to be in the top 15 probably. And... I probably lean Armin Suzuki in. He is probably a little bit more well-rounded, so that's where I'm going to go. But these two guys are very, very skilled, and this is probably the closest fight on the card and the hardest to pick, in my opinion. And then we're going to move around a little bit, and we're just going to talk briefly about some of these fights that we haven't already talked about. And then the big one left is Terrence McKinney versus Faraz Ziam. Faraz Ziam is a very good opponent for Terrence McKinney. If you don't know who Terrence McKinney is, he made his UFC debut a couple months ago and won with a seven second knockout in his UFC debut. He's got a very strong story behind him as well. So it should be interesting to see him in there against a very capable opponent in Faraz Ziam. And then Ignacio Bahamones, he is fighting Zorong. And if you did not see Ignacio's finish from his last fight, go watch that because he won via a wheel kick. And then Zhu Rong, yes, Zhu, Zhu Rong, he is... 23 years old with a professional record of 18 and four. So very rarely do you see guys this young have this many professional fights. So just from his experience alone, I think you need to pay attention to him and his future in the UFC because he could do some big things. And then Let's touch on a couple more fights before we get out of here. The first fight of the night is Victor Altanamarino versus Carlos Hernandez. Two flyweights. So I love watching young flyweights fight. Young flyweights will put on some just wars, right? It could be two guys making their UFC debut at 125 pounds. They're opening the card like like these guys here, and they just come out there and scrap. So don't miss that. These both the, both of these guys are, you, you know, young in their UFC careers. You know, Victor is making his UFC debut. So, that those aren't going to be fights that you want to miss. Ramiz Brahimavaj is fighting Michael Gilmore. Ramiz is someone who I was very high on. Unfortunately, he lost his last fight. So, he's looking to get re- redemption against Michael Gilmore, who is here because he did the UFC a solid and and took some fights on short notice. And then the last fight um, that I'm going to touch on is Alejandro Perez versus Jonathan Martin. Alejandro Perez is also someone who I like as a fighter, especially in um, the level that he's currently fighting against. His only two losses are to Song Yadong and Cody Stammen. His only two UFC. UFC, and he's got a loss to Patrick Williams in 2015. So, he has been in the UFC for a while. He's got some experience. And he's only really lost two strong opponents. So, um, Alejandro Perez taking on Jonathan Martin. That will be the last fight that you should look out for um, on this card. So... This was a little bit of a shorter episode, but that will happen, especially when we don't have a bunch of news to talk about. But I thank you for watching this episode of the Head Kick Kale podcast. As always, we will be back next week to talk about this Islam Makhachev versus Bobby Green fight card. I'll talk about that fight in depth. And we will talk about the future of Islam Makhlachev. Because win or lose. He's going to be in a really, really interesting position. And same with Bobby Green. He's going to be in an interesting position. Um, after, after this fight. So we'll talk about all of that. And we'll touch on anything important. That happened during UFC fight night. And we will end it off. By looking at any other news. And we will take a look at. The following week's fight card, which is UFC 272, headlined by Colby Covington and Jorge Masvidal. That's going to, that's going to be very fun to talk about. So uh, make sure you tune in uh, for all of that because it should be a good one. But as always, thank you for watching this episode of the Head Kick KO podcast.